you guys want to change the game up, but then you fund the very people that control the game that are unconscious that there's a trap imposed on the people. How to beat the trap. Hey, Peace family, you know what time it is for another episode of How to Beat the Trap. I'm your host, Jay Morrison, and this time we're going in the trap virtually with the one and only Grant Cardone. That's right, the mogul himself. Hey, Grant, stay what's up and welcome to the trap, brother. Jay, Jay, thank you so much, man, and, and uh, I love this topic. I have been a victim of, not aware victim of the tr many traps in my life. So I'm looking forward to mixing it up with you and hopefully uh, waking some people up about how they can improve the quality of their life in their community. That's what it's about, Grant. And so how I define trap and how to beat the trap is, a trap is a program or system designed to entice or entangle you, but secretly for the benefit of another. And so I bring on overachievers to discuss their journeys, their rise to success, how they've been able to leverage and maneuver through America's most infamous traps, such as the corner trap, the streets, the college trap, the mm. corporate trap, and the culture trap. And so, Grant, what I want to do is we don't just plow through the trap. We like to pull up to that thing, right, where you are, and then we're going to reverse engineer and talk about the start and rise of Grant Cardone. So um, this is my opportunity. I want everyone to know who Grant Cardone is, uh, practically a household name. Uh, this guy's a billion-dollar mentor. Uh, but Grant, tell everyone you know, who you are, who is Grant Cardone, they are not familiar, and what you got going on, and what's your mission in life right now? Yeah, <clears throat> so <clears throat> appreciate this platform, Jay. Appreciate the work that you do. And even your T-shirt about legacy. You know, I, it's my dad died when I was 10 years old. He was 52. And it left a single mother, my mom, who was my best friend and my, you know, comrade. And I'm 10 years old, man. I'm like, you know, this big. I'm, I'm not I'm not a big guy, but I was a little 10 year old dude. And, and we were in a we were, uh, I think, a fourteen hundred square foot house. Grew up in five kids, mom and dad. My dad finally got into the middle class, man. One of the traps, by the way, he got into the middle class trap, thought oh, he had achieved it. Uh, he he. Well, I'm going to dive into that story. We're yeah. Gonna, we're going to, but I want you to tell everyone who you are right now. Talk that Grant Cardone big money talk that you talk. Oh 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 oh! I thought you wanted me to go backwards before I no, went no, forward. No, no, I'm going to take you backwards. We're going to reverse engineer, but right yeah. now let's start at let's start at the pinnacle. Oh, yeah. OK, well, guys, I mean, that's that's my plane right there. That's a uh, Gulfstream 550. I just sold it. Uh, that's one of my helicopters. And uh, you can't fake this stuff. Now, there's a lot of a lot of faking going on on the Instagram uh, and the TikTok, but you can't fake that stuff. That building right behind me, you guys want the receipts, is two hundred and sixty million dollars. I'm taking that down right now. I have four almost four billion dollars worth of real estate, twelve thousand four hundred units. I have a little company next door to this office building that I own and operate uh, with 200 employees. Uh, we have we have we have taken down 1.23 billion dollars worth of sales and transactions, products and services over the internet over the last, I guess, nine years. Kickflips. 
I've written, uh, I've written a bunch of books. Uh, there's a real estate book I wrote, uh, Seller Be Sold, The 10X Rule. I'm a, 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 the Closed Survival Guide. This whole, there's a university that we teach. It's an online university and encyclopedias of sales, marketing, closing, negotiating, confidence building, team leadership, how to hire people. Um, so I've been doing that kind of work for 35 years. I'm a teacher but I'm a student and uh, I was a student that was uh, very disappointed with most of my teachers. So I became a teacher that, that wouldn't disappoint the student. And I'm a doer more than I am a teacher and a preacher. Um, I do, I like the, my Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn accounts. We have almost 15 million people follow us online. Uh, I've raised over $700 million uh, for crowdfunding on the internet with no middleman, no broker. And my mission, my mission is to help marginalized people. My mission is to wake up the unconscious and the asleep. And those of you who are fell for the traps. Okay. Uh, Jay said it, Jay said it perfectly. It's it, there's a trap. They're intended to trap you. If you guys think they're not a trap, then you are naive. You are asleep and you are more trustworthy than you should be. And uh, look, 98% of all people are good. It's the 2% that can change 98% of your life. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I do. I buy a lot of real estate. I, I work my butt off. And I sell good products, good services. People don't like me. I got a lot of people don't like my attitude. They don't like me because I'm rich. They don't like me because I show off. I, I'm a show off, man. I'm like, hey, I didn't buy that to hide that. Okay. I know a bunch of white people that do that though. As soon as they get their little bag, they go to the closet and say, I'm not letting anybody see what I have. So um let's talk about let me stop you right there. So we got yeah. Grant Cardone, we got you know real estate developer, syndicator, um, fund manager, entrepreneur, educator, um, all that, author, multiple time author in the building and grant. And you're in the trap and you said, I like to show off. Where that, that come from? Where that mentality get comfortable with your big flats? Where did that come from? Yeah, dude, like, like I think I've always been a bit of a show off as a kid, right? I wanted to, uh, I'm a twin, right? So you're, you're, you're as an identical twin, you're, you're uh, competing for attention. And, and um, so, you know, there's that going on. And then the other thing is I, I was in high school. I was, I was not liked. So I got a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Uh, the first year I was in high school, I could have won any award. And by the sophomore year, is it the sophomore year, junior, sophomore, whatever the last three years dude, I couldn't win dog catcher. Um, and I became a black sheep of my family. I became the, the kind of the, the loser. I disappointed everybody. Cause I went down a bad road out from 15 to 25. I ended up in a drug problem, mm. a trap, another trap working corners, man. Gosh, well, let's talk about this. So, so we got Grant Cardone. No, well, let, let me, let me just say this. Let me just say this because, because man, I've been like, I've been, you know, the show off thing just kind of comes from so many people kicking me down including myself, by the way, I'm not saying they, I kicked me down before they did. And then, and then they, once you kick yourself down, the rest of the world is going to kick you down too. 
And so one, I promised my mom when I was 16 years old that one day I would become somebody. And I said, when I become somebody, I said, I'm going to get rich. People are going to know me. I had this fantasy, bro, like this very grandiose idea that I was going to become a king. And uh, when I did become a king, though, the goal was to help people because nobody helped me and I wanted help after my dad died. So that's kind of the driving mission of my life is to help other people, most of which don't even look like me. Because, because white people, white people don't actually want help. They need it bad, but they don't even know. They, they in the worst trap in the world, man. They think they're all good. See, when you're broke and you're down and you're beat up, man, and everything's stacked against you, you know it. So, so uh, I, I, got, I can only help people that want help. So you think that white people fall into a trap of needing an awakening, but feeling like in their uh, current states, privilege or whatever, that they're all good. They're not of the disenfranchised where some might actually uh, need 1,000 percent. Country club trapped. OK, uh, I got my two very selfish, extremely selfish concept. The middle class is probably the biggest suppression in America today. It, it's uh, first of all, it's a massive group of people. It's 200 million strong. Uh, it is who pays all the taxes, the property taxes, the debt, wow. the, the college. Let me build with you on this real quick. It's hard to this virtual. We're going to build real quick. You know, I was just thinking I got an epiphany. Like, you know, I grew up poor, too. We're going to talk about your upbringing in a minute. And obviously, I represent, a, a, you know, I guess I represent the whole black community. But I represent a, a big tribe of us who are high frequency, high vibrations and, and looking for progression, right? And, and about solutions, self-accountability, but also holding those um, who have oppressed us accountable. But when you talk about the white middle class being suppressed, the first eyebrow I wanted to raise, but I wanted to listen to and build with you. But you know what's sad is that if you think you're okay, see, if you're poor and you know you're not okay, then you know you've got to scrap it out to get ahead. If you're middle class and you think you're actually doing okay, but you're really living check to check, negative arbitrage in your bank account, your money's not working for you, and you're pretending to have this retirement plan when you're 65 and all of that, you might even be more trapped than a poor person that knows they're poor. 1,000. You're actually really poor and you don't even know. 1,000. You don't even know you got bars on you. Look, look, my friends... My friends don't know what white entitlement is. I know they don't because I didn't know what it was. Like, how do you learn about white entitlement? You don't go to white people to find out about it. You go to brothers and your sisters. You go to people that are brown and black that don't look like you and say, hey, explain to me what this thing is. I don't understand. It. I'm, I'm, I'm completely aware that I, I'm at least aware that I'm not aware. Uh, most of the people I know aren't even aware, man. They, they don't think any of this stuff is real. And how could we, by the way? We hang around white people. You know, you, you haven't invited me to your dinner table. And, and so I, I, I don't know what I don't know. My daughter uh, went to uh, uh, Coach Stormy Wellington's house the other night. My, my wife and, and Sabrina went there and had dinner with them. And they, my daughter told me at the end, she's like, Papa, I was a little insecure tonight. Uh, for the first time, I, I felt insecure. I said, why, baby? She's like, I was the only white child in the room. I said, well, how do you think the black and brown kids feel when they around us? Far. So, look, look, I know for me, I have never been more at risk than when I had a little bit of money. Mm. Okay, because I've never been more at risk than when I had money. That this middle class idea, I'm going to take care of my two kids. They got a good education. This, this is what these people think. 
I'm a, I got a country club. My cars are paid for. I'm paying down my house. I got a retirement account. Some of the stuff you mentioned, a 401k. I'm vice president of the company. Man, I'm good, man. I'm good. They ain't good, bro. They trapped. They got nothing. Can't spend money. Got to save it. Uh, believe cash is, is somehow the holy grail. They don't invest. Uh, the, bank, the bank's got them as a prisoner. Yep. Scared to use their credit. Scared to use leverage. Terrified and think they're right about everything, by the way. They think that the one house that they have and they paid for is their freedom. When they're trapped, they can't even go on a vacation. Hmm. So there is, no, nah, that's a real trap. I know people that, you know, are so impressed by uh, their credit score, but don't own any. Don't school. have any assets. They have this, this paper score, 800 score, but don't got 800,000 in the bank. Yeah, again, a trap, a bank trap, right? And the banks, the banks in this country, and look, this goes across the board. It really doesn't matter what color you are. If, you, if you're black or brown and you finally made it into the middle class, you start conserving and you start protecting because we've been tro- told to save our money and, 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 and uh, uh, um, spend our time. It's a trap, guys. The, the, like, uh, if you keep funding Wells Fargo, which is a white bank, Bank of America, white bank. Let's keep it real. I was in a meeting last night with 70 real estate people, not a brown face in a room, not a woman there. I'm like, when does this game change? White people in this country control institutional assets, like those assets behind me. It's just a fact. And it's, it's, it, 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 all you got to do is look. Why? Okay, because communities continue to fund the Wells Fargo, the J.P. Morgans, the Goldman Sachs. You guys want to change the game up, but then you fund the very people that control the game that are unconscious that there's a trap imposed on the people. And so my, my game and, and, and I, I was part of that community, by the way, of people that didn't know. And uh, not all white people get access, by the way. I had to fight for my access. This game is on lockdown to degrees that nobody understands. And I'm still trying to figure out. So, so I'm flipping the game because of some awareness. Go ahead, Jay. You know, I love the awareness piece. I want to give some um, build with you on, on the bank trap. But um, to your point, like, you're right. White people on get access. Um, the privileged part comes that when those rooms are white, white rooms, you're able to walk in a room and not feel like your daughter felt the other night. Right. So it gives you an opportunity to if you get a crack in the door, you are, you know, of the, the majority. Right. So for me, I knew we did that as a black community, we don't own enough institutions. We don't control enough of our dollars, which is why we launched the Tulsa Real Estate Fund, um, the reggae fund in order to be able to control our own capital and have a model to actually duplicate in other sectors of how we practice group economics and can finally um, be in charge of our own economic you know, uh, destination. But what the banks are doing for those who don't know, is the banks are giving you 0.001% in your checking account. Go ask Wells Fargo, Chase Bank, Bank of America. You're depositing your money there, and you're leaving a savings account, maybe getting 1% interest, maybe. No. And it's 3.5%, so you're already negative there, negative arbitrage, negative ROI. But the banks are going to loaning your money out on mortgages, on business loans, on HELOCs, and other things, and getting a greater percentage, much greater percentage, on, on, on loaning out and fees and everything else, on your money that you have sitting in the bank. When you could have came to myself or to Grant or to uh, got educated on how to use that money to build assets for yourself, appreciation, cash flow, 
tax advantage, tax advantages, the real estate or, or other measures. So your money is sitting in the bank. The opportunity cost of your money is dead. Yeah, I mean, the way to say that, Jay, the simple way to say that is $1,000 in the bank earns $1.80 a year. It would it would take you eight years, eight years at Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citibank. I don't care whatever bank you want to name. You want the local community bank, your credit union. It's going to take you eight years to earn one percent. And you guys keep sending money, keep giving money. This is what people are doing, okay? People are unconsciously spending the most valuable thing they have, time, to collect money. That's fine. Good. I, I, I work 80, 100 hours a week. I, I've worked more than that sometime for years. And then I take the money. Most people then spend more time to bring it, rush it off to the bank and give it to the bank and say, hey, here, and you're feeding the entire system. And you complain about it, and then you feed the beast. So, uh, you know, I know, I know. I heard a guy last night talking about, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna break out of the system. I'm like, bro, you just talked about IRAs, 401ks, life insurance. Okay, all you're doing is feeding the beast. If you want to break the system, own the asset, and do not raise money from these wealthy families and wealthy institutions. And so, Jay, I know you built an audience. I built a big audience. Uh, I, I had three different big banks out of New York that were willing to write me an equity check and the debt for that building. Mm. Uh, and uh, I said, no, man, I'll take the debt. The debt's cool because I control it. But the equity, I'm going to get it from my people, the people that I know, people that trust me, people that actually appreciate the loan, uh, the, the opportunity. Right. Not not wealthy families. The, the, these things, this is what I know today. It's actually not the rich doing the deal. It goes like this. It's poverty, poor, um, lower middle class, middle class, upper middle class, rich. And then it goes like this. It slices up a bunch. Super rich, medium rich, probably super rich. The wealthy, then it becomes the super wealthy. This is like this many people. And then above that, or institutions that you guys don't even know the names of, or we don't, right? Uh, two companies on planet Earth. Uh, one is Blackstone, and the other is, I've been talking about this for a while now, and the other is Vanguard. These two companies are worth $20 trillion each. They could buy, one of these companies could buy Mark Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and Oprah, write one check and make them disappear. That's how much money these people have. So, so we're, we're always talking about taxing the rich or, you know, the rich are the problem or the wealthy are the problem. Actually, it's not. It's the institutions that run planet Earth that are the problem. And as long as you continue to feed them, they will continue to have control over you. Absolutely. How do you talk about that opportunity cost of money? Someone can have $100,000 in the bank getting 0.01% and getting $100 a year on 100000 so yeah. Ask, well, what better can I do with a hundred thousand that makes me more than a hundred dollars a year? That's it. You just got to learn how to beat your bank interest, which is not very hard to do with some simple skills. So, before we get into education mode, both you and I are educators, like we can talk about this all day. Uh, do a corner class right here in the track. Uh, tell us where did Grant Cardone grow up, and what was that upbringing like? You alluded to it earlier. Give us a yeah. story of Grant Cardone. Yeah. So I grew up in Lake Charles, Louisiana. 
uh, on 10th Street. I think it was 10th Street. My, my, fa- my, my parents were both Italian, Italian descent. And uh, their parents uh, came over on the boat from Italy and Sicily. And so my mom lived through the Great Depression. She was always like, it's going to come again. It never did. Uh, so it was all, everything was safe for a rainy day, turn the lights out. Um, I'm an identical twin. My mom actually wanted my brother and I to pee in the toilet at the same time. Cause she believed it would save money. Yeah. It would save, it would reduce the water bill. Yeah. And, and, and she clipped coupons, man. We didn't buy strawberries on the day they came out. We waited three days when they were on sale and, and she was always worried about somebody ripping her off the plumber, the roofer, the car dealer, no matter what, everything she did, she was worried about a ripoff because dad wasn't there. My dad was the earner. He died uh, trading time for money. Finally got us in the middle class. House was paid for. Two cars were paid for. He had life insurance. He did everything right. This is where I learned the game. My dad did everything right. And when my mom should have been in grief, February 1968, my dad dies. When my mom, the week my mom should be in grief, my mom went into fear. What do I do? Sold the house we were in because she couldn't maintain it. Sold the cars. Moved us across the street from a high school. That way she wouldn't have to drive us to, to school every day. Save gas. And then I watched my mom in terror, man. In terror. So, like, I understand communities that worry about money that worry about, that depend on food stamps, that depend on coupons, that depend on like scamming working corners. I did all that. I've done everything like you cannot imagine. White middle-class kid drops down and does what it takes to to somehow uh, break out of the system. Nobody, I had three uncles, none of them would help me. And I was in just dire need of leadership, guidance. I, dude, I would have, I was looking for a guy like you to give me a little guidance when I was 16 years old. Where were you, Jay? Well, tell me this, Grant. When was, tell us about your first, uh, we call it corner track transaction. When was the first time that you did something that was like against the law? We like, yo, I'm outside right now. Yeah. So, uh, well, I started smoking weed when I was 16, and I was buying weed two weeks later. And I was, I was not paying for my weed uh, two weeks and one day after that. So, and that would go on for nine years. At 19 years old, I carried a gun with me everywhere I went from 19 till 25. I had 70 stitches. You weren't paying for the weed, that means you were selling. Say again? You weren't paying for the weed, does that mean you were selling? I wasn't paying for my weed, that's what I said. I wasn't paying for my weed. And... <laughs> And that's what I said. Uh, so <laughs> you were selling, you were taking. <laughs> so so uh, so what happened was, I had I had a guy come in my house one night. This guy Danny, this guy Danny was at my house, and I don't I forget. I stood up to this guy. He's a guy you don't stand up to. I didn't know that he was the guy. He ran the corner, and I embarrassed him in front of his boys. And two nights later, man, he sends a guy over to my house, puts 70 stitches in my head and face. I don't know if you can see this, all this damage up in here, you know, and over my eyes, over both my eyes, under my eyes, 70 stitches in my head. I was in a hospital three days, broke me, bro, broke me hard. Because what I learned on that day was I could not 
I couldn't live on a corner because I couldn't make it there because I wasn't willing to go there. And there was people that were willing to go. Like, if you're not willing to go there, you can't win there. Right. And so I spent the next two years as just a useless piece of garbage drug addict. And two years, bro, 24 months just going downhill from the beating. And say again. That was early 20s. Yeah, tw- I was 23 years old, 24, 25. And um, I hated myself. You know, drugs are a problem, right? Like, like nobody beats the drug guy. Right. Nobody. You, you, no, no matter who you are. And, no, and nobody, also, nobody ever gets into the drug game thinking they're going to become addicted. But once, you're, once, you're, once you lose your sense of self-worth and your personal respect, you'll end up doing anything. And I know you guys see the light. You see the life I have today. You know, you're like, man, that guy's living large. Right. But but dude, like I know what it looks like down at the bottom. Hey, peace, family, real estate pioneer Jay Morrison coming to you live from the Black House. Uh, Why haven't you got your first of its kind video textbook? Excuse me interactive video textbook experience, the 12-step real estate crash course. This book will make you a real estate power player in real life with over six and a half hours of video lessons with 290 pages of real workbook experiences, tests, quizzes, assessments that give you the skill set, mindset, and formulas needed to dominate in real estate and be a power player in any part of the industry in real life. Homeowner, realtor, wholesale, landlord, flipper, developer, don't matter. You need this book. Your family needs this book. Go tap in the link right now for your for your interactive first of its kind video textbook experience in real life tap in 12stepvideotextbook.com where do you think well two questions for you one the guy that he had the issue with there's a black guy white guy just curious danny mcgee he was a white guy uh the duty sent in was a white guy um yeah they were all white guys all right so now Actually, we got a 14-minute download. Danny McGee's his name, by the way, in Lake Charles, Louisiana. I don't know if y'all know him, but I'm calling him out right now. Danny McGee, piece of garbage. Criminal. Lifetime criminal. Probably not alive today. Hey, but let me just say, Danny, I just want to thank you, bro, from the bottom of my heart all the way to my Gulfstream and my two helicopters, my 11 books, Cardone University, my $4 billion worth of real estate, bro, because you freaking primed me for my future. Danny, you did that, Danny. You did that, Danny. Danny, you did that for me, bro. You know what? You should have killed me. By the way, Danny, you should have put me down all the way. Because people like me, man, when you when you crack them like that, you need to finish them. Hmm. You know what, Grant? On a deeper level, that wasn't even Danny. That was God setting you up with a setback to set you up for all you become. If Danny had stopped you out, where would you might be today? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd probably build, you know, I know the people that the people that were around me, two of them are dead. Uh, my the girlfriend I had at the time, I think is still using drug 30, a daily drug problem. Thirty five years later, I don't even know how she's still alive. So, look, those things are, you know, those setbacks and those things that you go through in life, if you don't let them beat you. Um, they really define, they really help make who I am. I, I didn't use drugs because I was an addict, by the way. I used drugs because I was looking for direction. And I went to the treatment center, Jay, and they said, oh, you're, you're a drug addict. You have a disease. That, that's not true. I didn't have a disease. I didn't have mentorship. I didn't have guidance. 
I went with Danny because Danny gave me attention. I didn't have a dad in my life. It's one of the reasons I created the Grant Cardone Foundation is to help and support uh, families that don't have a father available. And it doesn't mean he's in prison, by the way. It doesn't mean he's not available. Maybe he died or maybe he's at work or maybe he can't be a father. There's a lot of fathers out there just can't be fathers. They can have a baby, but they, they can do that part, but they can't be a father yet. So um, I wanted a dad, bro. And Danny came along and said, I'll be your daddy's son. <laughs> He spanked you like one, too. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. All right. Let me ask you, where did you lose in that early 20s? I want to segue into the rest of your career, but where in your, your mid-20s, where did you lose the self-respect, that, that self-motivation you said? You said you were like, kind of like you lost self-esteem or... Like, yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I lost my self-respect, right? Once you lose your self-respect, the, mo- the a person becomes a criminal the moment they lose their self-respect, and then they act on it. And so I was doing... I was. 1000% involved in criminal activity. Uh, and I think most people are involved in criminal activity, but they don't call themselves criminals because they don't get caught. But just because you don't get caught don't mean you're not a criminal. If you're stealing from yourself, stealing from your family, stealing your time, if you're paying, if you're helping everybody else out and not helping yourself, not taking care of your health, eating garbage foods, putting stuff in your body, you don't even know what it was, sleeping with people and you don't even know what their credit score is, you're a criminal. You're a thief to yourself. You're a thief to yourself, man. I I never steal anything. You steal from yourself every day. So, and you know, another trap, another trap right there. Trap going, steal from yourself every day by not giving yourself your your best, by not loving yourself. People people take their time, take their time, get money for it, and then take the money and give it back to the bank. Stealing from yourself. You don't even know what the hell you're doing. Worried about your credit. You're worried about your credit score because they gave you some score, some little trophy, some number. I don't know what my credit score is. I have no idea. I know I got $4 billion worth of assets and anybody will give me a loan. I have no clue what my credit score is. I pay people. I pay. I, I commit to something. I pay them for it. I don't care if it COVID happens. 2010 happens. Uh, I get unhealthy. I get unhappy. I pay people back. If I agreed to do something, I pay them. Because I refuse to lose my self-respect again. Because the moment I lose my self-respect, I lose my superpowers. Wow. Your self-respect is rooted, or your superpowers is rooted in your self-respect. 1,000. I don't need your respect, by the way. I don't need you to respect me. Mm-hmm. I need, I need my, my, my total net worth and self-worth is wrapped up in my self-respect. And that's why I keep hustling. People, people are like, number one question I get, man, 63 years old, you got the planes, you got the, 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 the kids, you got the house paid for, you got all this stuff. Why do you keep working? For my self-respect. The past does not fuel my self-respect. Mm. That would be ego. If, I, if, I, if I'm looking at the past stuff saying, oh, man, I'm so good, that's my ego. The ego is in the past. My self-respect is in my future. What can I do? How can I make a difference? How can I, how can I live my biggest life? That life you said yeah. you live for your mom, I want to be a king, you said earlier in the interview. Yeah. I want a bodacious life. Yeah. And I want to be a king to other people. I want to be a hero to other people. I want to be the uncle to others. That, that, that I want to be that guy that didn't show up for me. I had three uncles, man. Not one of them stepped up. I don't know why they didn't step up. Maybe they had, maybe they had, they had their own drama going on, you know? 
but, but I needed somebody to step up. And when they didn't, man, I went another way. And so I know that there's a bunch of kids out there. If you look at the statistics of kids without fathers, man, suicide rates go up. Drug addiction goes up. Incarceration goes up. Can't finish high school goes up. Uh, uh, you, you, their finances go down. Like every major number, every major metric, okay, gets slaughtered when there's no dad in the household. Facts. And it doesn't just mean physically, like you said. Sometimes we have fathers in our household, but they might have a drug addiction. They might go to prison. They might just have issues with the mom, right? So yeah, I concur that um, the man and, and a father really fathering you, not just being a dad, but being a father. Yeah, really, um, helps us. So all right, cool. So Grandpa, going to go through that. You lost your self respect. You begin to get your self respect back, and then what? So look, I threw myself, I threw my, that addiction thing I had into my work. Uh, I started picking different people in my life. I got rid of everybody that was there. One of the hardest things that, that people can do. If you want to elevate, you got to eliminate. And I just made a list of everybody I needed out of my life. And they were liabilities. I still do this today. I assess who's a liability and who's an asset in my life. It does not matter how much I care for you. It does not matter what the la your last name is. It don't matter if I was born with you. You're my sister, my mother, my brother, my daddy, my uncle, my aunt, or my best friend. If you are a liability to yourself and me, I'm cutting you. Mm. Like I, I don't do barbecues with people that, that are liabilities. You can't pay your own bills. I don't spend time with you. You're sick all the time. I don't spend time with you. You're cheating on your husband. I don't spend time with you. I don't spend time with anybody that are treasonous or liability. And it doesn't matter. We could have we could have been cool for five years. And all of a sudden, something happens to you. Clint was good for five years. And then something happened. And Clint starts doing stupid stuff. I'm like, bro, time out. Me and you going to take a time out. I treat my friends and my family like the NBA or the, the MLB or the, you know, NFL. You don't, you're not performing, you're cut from the team. And it's, it's, it's one of the most important policies of my life. How have you been, I want to ask you about that personally, because I think a lot of us entrepreneurs, a lot of us drawn through life and challenged with that. We have affinities and affection for other people and you really care about them, but you know they're no good or they're stagnant, or they're, or they're tainted, your purity, or your end goal? Um, what's allowed you to be that uh, vigilant, that disciplined, that, you know? Because I'm, I'm committed to the promise, right? I'm committed to where I got to go. Uh, uh, I'm building an empire. Empires, if you study empires, are all torn from the inside, not the outside. No empire, no empire ever falls because of the enemy on the outside. They all fall because of the weakness that is close to you. I don't worry, I never worry about my enemies. I never worry about the haters. I worry about the people close to me that buy into the criticism and the hate and the naysayers and the stuff people say about me. So when people start bombing me online, somebody wants to sue me, I never worry about that stuff. I worry, I look around my staff and say, uh-oh, who inside is gonna go, who inside is gonna buy this poison? Who's buying into that? I don't ever worry about the, the haters. I worry about the people around me that share and believe and start getting uh, weak because of, uh, of the hate that's put on me. And that could be family members, by the way. Right. So looking at who's turning my back, who's getting weak, who's getting poor, who's starting to get optimistic, who's looking at jumping ship, 
who's yeah. And, and 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 the way I do it, the way I do it, you, if you you love real estate, you guys that like real estate, look, real estate's a numbers game. It doesn't lie to you. The numbers are there, they're not there. Their occupancy's there, it's not there. The cash flow is there, it's not there. So it, on in our team, every person that works here has a graph. And if if you don't believe anymore, the graph can't go up. Okay, if you're a good person, and 98 percent of all people are good people, 99 percent of all, all, all people, they're not evil. You can't work for, you can't not feel good about something. If somebody doesn't feel good about me anymore, their graph is going to drop. Right. They're going to make fewer phone calls, whatever their job is. They're going to empty fewer trash baskets. They're going to deliver less food. Um, they're going to work on less people. This is happening to nurses, teachers, policemen. They quit doing their job, man. I quit doing my job. I become disengaged because I don't feel good about what I'm doing anymore. And, and so this is how nurses are getting burned out right now in this COVID thing because 20% of them won't even get the shot because they're like, I don't want that vaccine in my damn arm because I'm seeing something I don't like. Right. And so what do they do? They're like, I'm not going to do it. And then they're like, hey, you got to do it to keep your job. And then 3 million people say, I'm not going back to work then. Like there's a tremendous amount of disengagement. When people get disengaged, they've already quit. They check out. So they check out, right? They mentally check out. They're not here anymore. So what, when I do is I look for the graph and the moment the graph drops, I'm like, hey, you got a problem with our products or services? Me? Did you hear something online? Did somebody get in your head? Well, yeah, man, I, I read something the other day. You started this regulation A and, 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 and people say you're ripping people off. Oh, okay, good. Let me show you what I'm doing for people. And then if that doesn't work, do you believe me? Oh, yeah, I believe you. Good. Then put a thousand bucks in. Well, I don't want to put a thousand dollars in, man. Oh, but then you still worried about it ripping you off, right? Why don't we go ahead and separate right now? Because look, if you can't put, if you can't eat the dog food, I don't want you to sell it. Right. Yeah, product. Yeah, exactly. Why? Why? Why wouldn't you? I know you have the money. You know me. You're with me. Look, I got family members that have not bought my products. I have, I have a friend that has known me, like a, a family cousin. And he's like, man, I'm so proud of what you're doing, man. I'm always there for you. I said, bro, you know what? Before I came to meet you, I looked at my, I looked at my accounts to see if you'd ever bought anything from me. <laughs> and I noticed we can't find you anywhere. Are you operating under some alias? And he's like, no, man, I've never bought anything from you. I'm like, why not? He's like, what do you mean? I said, you just said you support me. But the truth is, the truth is, you don't support me. Support is actively involved with helping someone get to the next place. Mm. Oh, man, I'll buy a book from you. I said, no, that's not the point, man. The point is you haven't supported me. Your, your, your heart hasn't been there. Your, your damn credit card hasn't been there. Because <laughs> I don't need your heart. I need your credit card. Well, the, well, the heart would have motivated the hand to go in the pocket with the credit card. Well, you know, some people, some people just need to get the hand to the credit card. Y'all need to support. Like, I, there, there's a little hijack, a little, little hijacking thing that you guys can do with people. If you want to get in into their offices or into their meeting rooms, or you want to get, you want to, you want to get in their their bank account. Give them the exact thing you want. Mm. You want money from them? Go buy something from them. All right. So I, I only do business. You and I were talking about our 10X Growth Conference. The, the people that get on that stage, and they already working with me. 
Like, like let's do business together. I want to do business with people. I don't want to chum. I don't want to do, you know, that word chumming. I don't want to be buddy buddies. I'm not looking for buddies and chums. I, I want to do business with people so that I can take on these Titans that think I'm a punk. They're not even worried about most people. They think I'm just nobody. They're like, boom, we, he's nobody. So they don't look at me as a person. They look at me as a mass of people that they can herd, control. And it's not about money now for them. This is way beyond the money game. This is about control. Controllership, I call it. Gotcha. So I get it. I love that mentality. You told me when I was in Miami with you, you said the same thing to me. You said, Jay, uh, you're Zeus in your world, but um, we got to do some other rooms, some other worlds where you're not known. Yeah, yeah. You got to walk in the white rooms, man. You got to get with these white guys and be like, okay, who is the dude? And you're probably going to have to walk in there with me. Just like Jay, I would have to walk into your community with you. Right. And I see, I, I, you know, a lot of these, I do a lot of stuff on Clubhouse and I, and I see these rooms and I go into them. They're like, I'm the only white guy in the room. And people are like, why are you there? Uh, to learn. My white people don't talk about, my white friends don't talk about what you talk about. Right. So I got to go in there and then I got to see how I can participate. I was with, uh, what's the lady's name? She runs Ken, uh, the Ken, Kendra, Ken, Ken Straw, what is it? Crenshaw District, uh, Tiki, Tiki, uh, uh, I forget her last name right now, but no, 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 no. But anyway, Crenshaw District in LA, man, it's tough, man. Yeah. So I was in her room. There was only like 18 people there. And she, she was doing this thing for Thanksgiving to help people with turkeys. And I, I said, yeah, how many you want? I'll buy, I'll buy every one of them. Right. Give people what they want, man. I get it. That's the hack. It's, it, That's a hack. You're planting seeds. You're, you're putting out in the universe what you want. You're being reciprocal. You're, you're yeah. not begging. You're saying, all right, you want to do business with me? Do Well, then do some business with me. Let's go. Let's go. I get it. Say no more. All right, so great. I'm going boom. You go through. So I know there'll be a story. I want to give you some good questions. I know you got some time restraints. All right, so you, you break out of the school. You break out of the addiction. Um, you then go into... Uh, did you go into some kind of, kind of corporate America at that time? Like, how did you get the, the skill set to be the mogul you are today? Fast forward through that time on. Look at this. Other questions I want to the trap journey. What's that? Just receipts. Acquisitions. <laughs> 420 million. 420 million. That's how we got. That's how it was done. That's how we got. <laughs> That's how we. <laughs> Um, yeah. So look, you know, I, I, I started, I took a job. I had a job. The only guy that would hire me out of that treatment center was, was a car dealer. So I took it and, uh, I hated selling cars and I made a decision that I no longer had the right or the privilege to hate anything. Mm. And I'm like, I'm going to get great at the thing I hate. And I realized, I'm like, I hate this job. I hate this job. And I'm telling myself, I had nobody around me, dude. I'm talking to myself most of the time. I'm like, you know, you don't have the privilege to hate, bro. You just need to go get great at this job. And when I made that decision, everything changed. I not only get great at the job, I end up becoming, it ends up becoming my first business. Me, meaning, uh, uh, 
I become a super salesman. I go from being a terrible salesman to Superman. And I end up working for Nissan, uh, Ford Motor Company, General Motors, uh, and they're, they're giving me millions of dollars a year to teach the entire industry how to be transparent with a customer, be more effective with a customer, tell the truth to a customer. Check this out. They paid me to teach salesmen to how to tell the truth because that's how I sold things. Here's the car. 28 grand. I would give you the price before anybody would ask. The payments are going to be 458 bucks a month. The interest rate right now is four and a half percent. I can show you how to get a better loan than that if you put a little more money down. And bang, I was selling cars faster than anybody because these other kids are playing tricks. What made you approach yourself authentically, so transparently? Uh, because I hated the other way. I wouldn't want it wouldn't it wouldn't work on me. I just don't do things that don't work on me. I only do what would work on me. And I wrote about this in a book called Sell or Be Sold, okay? Like, don't try to sell people the way you buy things. Like, if you, if you won't make an immediate decision, you can't expect anybody to make an immediate decision. So what I did was I started making immediate decisions. Like, like I go in the store and I want something, bang, pick it out, okay? Somebody comes, I don't get three bids on something. Some, somebody comes to the house, I call up, I call up my man, Clint. Hey man, can you do my floor? He gives me a quote. I say, Clint, you want my business one time or six times? Well, I, I, I want it six times. Good. That's what everybody says, Clint. So this is what I'm going to do. I am not going to shop your price. Okay. You, you can screw me one time or you can do business with me six times. You if I find, best. huh? Give me your best. Like I will give you my best. Exactly. I said, look, man, just get the job done as fast as you can. I'll give you, all, I'll give you whatever number you want. I, don't, I, I no longer negotiate the price people want to, to sell something for me. You can take advantage of me one time. And then I leave it up to them. Most of the time, people come up with a great price and even better service because I didn't pound on them. So, like, I don't do the buy low and sell high anymore. I go someplace, I buy something. What do you want for it? Good, I'll pay you for it. That way, when I go to sell something, Jay, I can get what I'm asking. You can't get what you ask if you're not willing to do the same thing. Man, you are operating at a high frequency, Grant. That's, that's a high universal frequency right there. Well, it, and, and now it becomes, I don't check with my wife to buy a plane. I buy the plane. And the reason I don't check with my wife is because when I go to sell that plane, I don't expect that guy to check with his wife. Mm. Make, make a decision. Make a step. I said, man, a guy, guy, guy said, he got, I, got, I, was, I just sold my plane. And he's like, I got I to gotta talk to my wife. I said, man, I used to do the same thing. Until I realized my wife trusts me completely with these kind of things. He's like, you know what? You're right, man. She trusts me. Let's roll. And it was over with. It wasn't even a real objection. It was just, it was an automatic kind of response. And I think a lot of us have these automatic responses to how we buy things and how you buy is how you sell. So anyway, Jay, uh, long story short, I became a really great salesperson, created a consulting company, started going out teaching other companies how to do this, ended up having some extra money. And I, and I did not trust money. I've never trust money. I've always thought money was garbage. Uh, I've never really known what to do with it. And the only thing I've ever trusted is real estate. So I took all the cash I had. Every time I get some cash, I'd go buy some real estate. Started studying it. 30 years ago, I bought, I don't know, 50 different properties, all apartments. I don't do any flipping. 
Um, I buy stuff that cash flows. And I just sit and wait for it to pay me one day. And then I go back to work. I stay broke all the time. I almost never have this. I almost never have this. I try to get rid of it as fast as I get it. I convert it into buildings. And I sit and wait for it to grow up and mature. Make it work for you. Love it. I love it. So listen, I want to get Grant Cardone a trap analysis right now. So family, you guys got a chance to see Grant Cardone break down how he beat the corner trap. Well, actually, a corner trap beat the crap out of him and allowed him to pivot to another phase of his life. And how he was able to leverage the corporate trap being a car salesman to actually become an entrepreneur in the car industry and do very well for himself and set him up. Every trap he faced set him up for the next layer of his journey. He watched his mom face the culture trap, the corporate trap of how to be, uh, have fearing money, um, fearing uh, lack of access, fearing uh, not uh, going backwards from middle class. And Grant took all these experiences and was able to park it into his vision, his commitment to himself to live big one day, to be a king one day, to be a king maker to other people one day. And you now see how GC gave us gems on the ultimate frequency of reciprocation of uh, giving what you expect to get and making your life easy for yourself, true hack. So, so, so Grant, we do something called a trap transition, which is like your aha moment. So what was the biggest aha moment you had in your life that led you to be who you are today? That one moment. You know, 2000, 2010, man, was, was the aha. It was the big pivot. The world was coming to an end. It was the global reset. We have one every 10 or 12 years, by the way. We're going through one right now. And uh, at that time, I had about $50 million worth of debt. I had 300 apartments, uh, two businesses that were failing, a new baby on the way. Just been, I've been married for, I guess, a year. And uh, we, I was in Los Angeles, California. I was li living in Lionel Richie's house, okay? Very proud of that. It was a fantastic house. Had, had Lionel Richie was my next door name, uh, not Lionel, Lionel's who I bought it from, but uh, Leo DiCaprio was my, Mr. Green, was my next door neighbor. Dre was lived in front of me. Keanu Reeves from The Matrix lived behind me. And what's the, bl the black girl's name? The hottie. Uh, Halle, Halle Berry was around the corner, bro. Like I, and, and nobody knew me. Okay. So uh, true story. I'll tell you a story about this fun story. The, in Hollywood, they send this bus out, the Hollywood bus, and it doesn't have a top on it. And all these people from the Midwest sit in the bus and there's Jennifer Aniston's house. There's Keanu's house. There's Leo's house, right? And I would sit outside my house because they would come to this T. The house ended at a T. And the, 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 the bus would have to turn around right here. It'd have to either go left or right. And right. when it got to the end of the block, I, I was right here at the end of the block. And I would take a water hose and I would spray the entire bus. And I'd be like, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. Leo don't live there. Dre don't live there. Keanu don't live. It's a lie. You guys are getting scammed. And I would literally spray these people. Okay. And uh, why? Why? Because, because it was fun. Kings have fun too, man. That's a fact. You know? And the more childlike I am, I, I wasn't hurting anybody, by the way. Nobody got hurt. It was completely immature. Uh, and, uh, but it's how I have fun, right? How else do you have fun? People go out on the weekends to get drunk and forget the whole weekend, you know, uh, do things they don't feel good about. And so anyway, I would do this every week because I hated that bus. 
right? And I think the thing I hated most was they never said, and by the way, Grant Cardone lives right there. Right. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what it was, dog. So I'm like, I'm going to spray them down because they don't recognize my greatness. So 2010 happens. 2010 happens. And man, I was like, oh my gosh. I was middle class rich. I had probably six million bucks saved. And I realized that this 20 years of work was about to be taken away from me. And I had the big aha, okay, that the middle class is a trap. Uh, even, even being rich is a trap. Uh, no one knew me. I was dependent upon one vertical. Uh, I was not a household name. And I told my wife, I said, I know what I've done wrong. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, we didn't go big enough. And that's where, that's where 10X, the 10X concept was born. Because if I'd have been 10 times bigger than I was, she, she said to me, she's like, well, where would you need to be? I said, we'd have to have 10 times the real estate, 10 times the debt. We have, I had $50 million of debt. I said, the next time this happens, I will have $500 million worth of debt and the banks will help me. They won't hurt me. Right. Uh, today, it's been 12 years now, Jay. We have today, I think I have two point. Four billion in debt. Okay, forty times what I had then. So if the economy failed when COVID happened, I had bankers call me. Hey Grant, can we come in have uh, like to buy you some coffee, man? I want to sit down and talk about how we can work this out. So when you get big enough, man, you get help. When you buy stuff like that, they ain't not gonna let you fail, right? Because now they're your partners. To in. They want those interest payments. There's only a few people like you that like, like that in the world, and they see your value. They see the value of helping you out benefits them long term. And, and, and that's when I realized the assets I was buying were too small. The business I was doing was too small. The audience I was speaking to was too small. Uh, social media was just starting to pop off. And I was 51 years old. This is 51, 52 years old. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand social media. I don't know how to start an account. I need to learn how to do this. I had three employees 12 years ago. Yeah. We have 700. Huh? Started social media 51. Yeah, I started using social media at 51 years old. And our beast at it. Dominique, awesome. I, I've probably crowdfunded more money on social media than any other person in the world without, without exaggeration. And I'm probably second. And I'm there you go. <laughs> you know, that means we, me and you win the Kentucky Derby bet on us guys. And you're going back to the, you're going back to collect some money. That's a fact. All right. So Grant, I want to put you in what we call the trap seat. Trap seat is the hot seat. We're going to go through a series of some fun questions um, and then we're going to talk about, uh, again, this amazing opportunity you got that you're bringing to, to, the, to the community, to the culture. So in the hot, in the trap seat, we have our first segment called Trap Blown, right? You blow the trap up. So the first thing I'm going to ask you in Trap Blown is give us your most amazing story that will blow our minds. Something that's blew your mind. Y'all you can't believe I did this. I made that. I met them or something. What is the most mind-blowing story you can give up, like, this is you, this is GC, the plane, the jet, the, the, the helicopters. What? Dude, I love this. I, I love that you do this. A lot, a lot of people, don't, they don't want to do this on their shows. They just want to talk about all the beat up stuff. Uh, uh, I love the inspiration, by the way, because uh, until you can see the example, it can't happen. Like, 
Um, let me see, man. Uh, you know, uh, I, I did a, I did a movie with Robert De Niro, man. My so, <laughs> so, uh, but but I think the bigger the bigger mind blow. I, I I could forget that. We could wipe that one off pretty easily. No big deal. Um, because I blew my lines the first time, right? <laughs> uh, which was hell, it was funny as hell because my I was on Clubhouse and I just done Undercover Billionaire. Undercover Billionaire was a pretty big mind blow. I went into a town, undercover billionaire, took this gig with Discovery Channel. They said, hey, could you, could, if we give you $100, how long would it take you to turn it into a million? I said, I don't know, about 30, 40 days. And they're like, are you serious? I said, oh, yeah, 1,000%. She's like, yeah, but you, you're playing with me, right? I said, no, I don't need 90 days to do this. I said, I don't even need the 100, by the way. Just send me over there. She's like, you can't use your name, can't call your friends, can't use your credit cards. No problem. I said, why don't we make it 10 million? And she's like, are you playing with me? I said, no, I don't play. I don't play with anybody. I quit playing with, with people a long time ago. And she's like, oh, my gosh. I said, in fact, I tell you what, I'll bet you $1 million in cash that I can do it in under 90 days. And she's like, you got the job. And then I went and did this thing in Pueblo. I built a $5.5 million business. Discovery Channel documented it. Watch me. It's on Discovery Plus on the app, Discovery Plus. We're trying to buy the show back from them right now. And uh, people are like, why would you do that, man? Why would you leave your family for 90 days to go to Pueblo? Nobody goes to Pueblo. And I said, I wanted to prove to people, I didn't need to prove it to myself. I knew I could do it. I wanted to prove to other people, you don't need a name, you don't need money, but you do need the strategy. You don't even need time, by the way. So we did it in 88 days. We had a $5.5 million valuation, bought a $1.7 million piece of property. It's probably worth $4 million today. We almost hit the $10 million, the full $10 million. And um, the knowledge base. Dude, the crazy thing is we did it during COVID. 40 million people were let go while I was doing this. And when you have the right strategy, you just got to have a strategy. Mm. And so um, that was a cool, that was a super cool thing. I wouldn't do that again, though. Uh, second thing, let me give you one more. This was a super, super cool. Let's go. I bought a piece of property uh, eight years ago for, I knew when I saw it, I said, I know I'm going to make money on this. It's a thousand apartments. I bought one portfolio. I got in with this guy and I, I convinced him to sell it to me. I put $15 million of my money down. I sold my house, Lionel Richie's house, sold it to get the down payment. Most of you won't do that. You will not sell your house. I sold the house and the life I had to get the down payment. I borrowed money from friends. I didn't raise money. I borrowed money from mom, sister. Like, I, like just give me, I was putting together literally 90,000 bucks at a time. Put $15 million down, signed on the loan, which was terrifying. So I'm in at 58. I put 15 down. I owed 45. Uh, seven years later, I got a loan on that property for 108 million. Paid myself back. Paid my family back. Put 50 million large in my pocket. No taxes. And I still own the property. And the property pays me about five million bucks a year, 400 grand a month. And it will now for the next 30 or 40 years. Beach. That was a nice score and, and no taxes. The biggest thing, the biggest, happiest thing was I didn't pay any taxes 
to the IR and the S. And I know you guys don't curse here, but read between the lines if you're the IR and the S. <laughs> read between the lines. That's him, not me. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing, man. So, all right, my goal, next part of Trap World is blow yourself up. Tell us a regrettable, embarrassing, or shameful moment that if you could have it back, you take that one back. Like, man, I was tripping on that one. Like, Dude, yeah. so, like, 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 COVID happened. It cut, it killed my show. Ten days into the show, I had to come home. The world was getting ready to come to, 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 to an end. I, I think this is March 20th, 2020. Yeah. And uh, I'm doing a I'm doing a a training here in my office, and we went live because when I do a training, when I'm creating a new training, I'll go live and tease pieces of it. And some kid comes on the live Instagram and says, "Oh, you going bankrupt? I've been waiting for this. You gonna go bankrupt? Some hater, right? COVID taking you down, right?" And I I went with it. <laughs> he got you. <laughs> he pulled me in, man. I went down the old trap. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going bankrupt, punk. By the way, I'm going to make that announcement right now. I'm going bankrupt, folks. COVID is taking me down. I was worried about it getting me sick, but I got to tell everybody it's true. I filed with my bankruptcy lawyer this morning. I'm losing the plane. You can probably pick it up for $6 million. I'm losing my condo. Send me a check for $2 million. You can take it. It's in the sky, 33 floors. Uh, we're losing everything. By the way, I'm going to lose all the apartments. We had about 8,000 apartments at the time. Losing all of them. You could buy them for 10 cents on a dollar. Fannie Mae and Freddie Max ready to get them off their books. Bro, I just leaned into it, right? <laughs> and it went viral, okay? We were laughing about it. Me and Jared. Jared's in here with me right now. We were just laughing about the whole thing. Thing went viral, okay? Now, would I do it again? Probably. <laughs> My Google trends, my Google trends in March, COVID was being trended. Donald Trump and Grant Cardone going bankrupt. It wasn't planned. I was just being immature. And um, my, my wife, my wife wouldn't talk to me for three days. Waking up to phone calls. Uh, Jared, the office, everybody's freaking out. I had 5,000 investors calling here every 30 seconds. Hey, man, is my money all right? So I probably wouldn't do that again, but I might. Right, right. You're like, I just said you wouldn't. And you're like, you know what? That was kind of fun. I might, I might go for another shot. All right. So that part of Trap Blown is the biggest bag that you ever blown. In a weekend, in a single purchase, in a single something, what is the biggest bag you ever blown? Well, I don't do a lot of that, right? I, I don't, but, but, you know, I've gone on some great trips, man. Uh, we went to, uh, we went to Thailand. I paid 20 grand a night for a, hotel, for, for, um, for a villa. I was there for two weeks. So we spent, you know, a quarter of a million dollars on that trip. I spent, I wrote a check for 40, uh, $43 million for that plane, wrote one check. They wouldn't, they didn't have a plane in stock Gulfstream. This is probably my biggest bag right here. So, <laughs> I called Gulfstream three years ago. I said, I need a, I need a Gulfstream 550. Uh, and it was December 14th. And if you're buying, if you're buying a plane on December 14th, it's because you're trying to, you're trying to cram down the, the, your taxes. And uh, they said, Grant, I've looked all over the world. There's no, no planes to sell. 
And I said, I want a new plane, brand new plane. Nobody like guys like me don't buy brand new planes. Coca-Cola buys planes uh, like this. Right. So they said, we don't have a plane. We don't have a plane. We don't have a plane. So this is the biggest flex I've ever done in my life. I called my accounting department and said, wire. I want you to wire Gulfstream's accounting department, find out their, their routing number and their account number. And I want you to wire them 43 million today. And then I called the guy. I said, you tell me when it's done. She called me back. It's done. I called the guy back, Rick Pittner. I said, hey, Rick, call your accounting department. Call the president of the company and tell them what I just did. What'd you do, man? What'd you do? Rick, Rick, Rick's a redneck. What'd, what'd you do? What, what, what'd you do, Greg? And I said, Rick, I just wired you guys 43 million hard. And he's like, nah, that's, you're kidding. I said, I, and I just hung up on him. You want to get somebody's attention? Just hang up on. And he calls me back. Oh, my God. I've been in this business. I've been in this business for 22 years. Nobody ever done that. Okay. I said, that's great, bro. But find me a plane. Calls me back 20 minutes later. We found a plane for you, man. Not to close the deal. Biggest bag. home. 43 mil on the stroke in real life. All right. So, Grant, our last part of the trap, Steve is our trap cheat sheet. This is where you can speak directly to the audience and give game. I'm going to do it differently though today um, because you got some specific game for the middle class and really the white middle class, right? Let's just keep it real, right? No elephants in the room here. You're talking about the white middle class, right? So I want you to give a cheat sheet to the white middle class and then, not that you're an expert on it, but as you have been um, building with the culture, right? Building with the black community. Yeah. From your perspective, quote unquote, outside in, um, I want you to give specific game that you see as a mentor to the black community, what you see from your perspective and the black community can do it. I'm not going to set you up, but I just love your perspective yeah. as a black right? Yeah, I no, I appreciate this. Yeah, isn't I a, I'm like, this ain't the trap house, is it, man? Right, right. <laughs> no, no, check it out. I, hey, I appreciate Before you go, I do want to give you this. Um, you inspired me greatly when I met you in Miami. I want to tell you why. And it's not even so much what you said in the intimate dialogues, is because I realized at 40 at the time, and you were 62, I was like, um, you know, as a, as a, as a man, entrepreneur, right? You know, I, you know uh, I look up to you, many look up to you, but also I look at you as another entrepreneur who's doing well, right? And who I aspire to have this kind, this kind of career. But I also looked at that Grant is a 62-year-old white man who came from his trap, and I'm a 40-year-old black man that came from my trap, high school dropout, free time fell in by 21, right? The whole story, right? I don't the whole story. But the point is, it inspired me to know that I had 22 more years to learn, to grind, to grow. I have to be you. I got to be my own frequency, my own journey, my own thing. 100%. Fun at life. To see you laughing and grouping off. See you spraying people. To see you mimicking people. To see you like so active and vibrant. And, you know, you were, you were fit and in shape. So it would get me motivation, but didn't do it. Yeah, like, exactly. Wanting to get my thing together, but also to be a vibrant 62, yeah. 63. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Jay. And and uh, first, let me let me answer the first part about the, the I, I don't know that I can help the white middle class, actually. Mm. You know, they're so comfortable. I don't think they can be helped. So I've been trying for a long time. And they just don't listen, dude. They're comfortable. Why? They're not going to even pick my message up. 
What they're going to do is they're going to see this and they're going to be like, oh, he's a show off. Rich people don't really do that. No, really, they do do that because I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Okay. Uh, I actually am doing it. And the reason I'm doing it, they don't understand is because I wish my neighbor would have showed me after my dad died, how he did it. And, and uh, these people all close the curtains. Okay. All the way up to the top of the food chain, dude, the moment they get rich, they close the show. And all they do is keep their little Hamptons house for their buddies. And I've never been that guy. Uh, anybody can come into my home in my life. So number one, I don't think I can help the middle-class white. My goal is to help 7 billion people, but not all of them can be helped. Not all of them want help. So I'm like, my goal is to make sure 7 billion people know who I am and the ones that want help will take it. So in the black community, in the brown community, in any marginalized community, by the way, white poverty, um, you know, lower uh, lower class white people, like, like there's a big Indians. Uh, there's all these groups of people that are marginalized. Period. End of story is for sure real. Um, I would tell you guys to make a list of things that your mom and dad believed in. And you, you need to put a big alert sign by them. Because most people are doing the right thing and still trapped. You're, you're playing by the book. I remember my mom taught me once. My mom was not uh, educated. We went to a casino in Las Vegas and she said, son, I have one piece of advice for you. I was 25, 26 years old. Whatever they offer you here, don't take it. And I've never forgot that, man. So how do you translate that to the, the finance business? Hey, buy a house. We'll help you buy a house. Little Jay, you deserve a house, little Jay. Do you, the moment that they start talking about what you deserve, uh, you should be like, you should put your alert sign on. A house, a home, one house has never made anybody free. It's definitely trapped a bunch of people. Okay, if you own a home already and you're like, I got to pay my house off, who told you that? First thing they did was convince you to get a loan, and now they're convincing you to pay it off, okay? What they're doing is they're making you mental yo-yos. Get a loan. Oh, my God, I'm somebody if I could get a loan. Now I'm somebody extra if I can pay it off. You're getting jerked around, folks, okay? Uh, put the money in the bank. Save your money. Saving money is for fools, I don't know how to tell you guys any other simpler way. Nobody has ever created financial freedom saving money. Cash is trash. It is garbage. It is filled with lies. It says on here, in God we trust, God has nothing to do with this paper. Nothing. There's nothing godly about it. There's nothing powerful about it. Okay, it says in God we trust right there. Okay, the building's on it to legitimize it. Okay, this is garbage. I trade time for this, get this, get as much as you can, and then convert it to those buildings where people live. So the Gucci stuff, uh, you know, this is for the black, straight up for the black community. You guys love your watches, love your jewelry, love your necklaces, your bracelets. Man, start collecting assets, not bracelets. Culture trap. Like... You fake, you fake, you fake uh, culture track. You fake, uh, they're not even real most of the time. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> okay. Now, if you're a rapper, man, maybe you need all that stuff. But, you know, Kanye didn't. Look at him. He put a brick on the board. He broke the game. He's like, I don't need all that stuff. I'm not going to dress like you, act like you, rhyme like you. I'm going to do my own thing. 
And so uh, the last thing I would tell people is like the whole college thing. You guys, white middle class, brown and black communities have been played hard on the college thing. $1.8 trillion of debt on the backs of people. And all you can do every day is hope to vote for somebody that will relieve you of that debt. And, and, and you worry about the debt. The debt's not the problem. It's the five years you blew there. People are like, I pay so much for college. That's not the cost. It's the time. Go get around people that are growing their business. Get around people that have energy. Jay, you talked about my energy. You guys, you, all of us, you, you, you undervalue the, the uh, you, you overvalue a salary and undervalue being around the right people. Powerful people, people that have energy, people that 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 are transparent, people that want to they want to go someplace and do something. Find those people, and there's not a lot of them, by the way. You know, we get out of college and we're looking for an industry to work in, rather than a person to work with, right? Or energy to work around. Yeah, exactly. And the last thing I'll say is this: quit trying to do everything by yourself, and quit trying to do it with the same people you've been trying to do it with. They've had plenty of time to help you. If your life is no better than it was five or 10 years ago, you've given the people in your life plenty of time. If they hadn't changed it, go get you a new family. Go get you some new friends. Go get you a new mentor. That's a trap bar right there. So family, uh, remember, the trap is a program or system designed to entice or entangle you, but secretly designed for another. Branches broke down how the homeownership game how the savings game, the bank game, the college trap, the culture trap for our community. We say we put all these G's and F's and C's all over us, but all we're doing is getting the Gucci Snell and Fendi family rich, right, where our community is still poor, poor and poor. Not from by the way, by the way, by the way, those companies are owned by Blackstone and Vanguard. That's who runs them. That's who funds them. That's who produces that paper so you guys can own that little piece of stock. Even that part of the game. I'm not buying Gucci. I'm going to buy the stock in Gucci. You don't want the stock in Gucci, folks. It's paper. Never trade paper for another piece of paper. It's, it's, it's manufactured, okay? You, you can, I can replace this in a second. All somebody has to do is say, hit the print, okay? That, that, to build that building behind me took three years. Let me just finish with it, Jay, because this is what I'm really proud of. We opened a fund up for that building right there. It's a quarter of a billion dollar deal. You can partner with me in a quarter of a billion dollar deal with only $1,000. I did this for everybody. I had six lawyers tell me not to do it. Jay can tell you how complicated, how expensive, how long it takes, and how risky it is. It's a big risk doing this, okay? But I did this because I want to send a message to Wall Street. And this will be the first of many buildings that I do like this. I wanted to send a message to Wall Street that I will spend the money and the time and take the risk to let the everyday guy, any family in America that's got a thousand bucks can invest in that deal with me and become a partner. I'm in control. I picked it. I found it. I bought it with my money and my debt. I closed the deal with my money. I don't need your money to buy the deal. And when I'm closed, then I let people come in. When you go to CardoneCapital.com, you register, put in there you're accredited or non-accredited, just answer the questions, send your thousand, your five thousand, ten thousand. I'll never ever disappoint you. I'm gonna build a trillion dollars worth of real estate. I'm gonna build a portfolio worth a trillion dollars. 
I'm going to do it over the next five to eight years. And then I'm going to run for president of the United States with my war chest. I'm definitely in on the fun, right? So in, in transparency and from our hat today, the same business that I want reciprocated, I'm going to do first. So I'm in on Cardone Capital. How much are you going to do, man? Let, 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 how much are you going to do? Let's get it on the, on the, on the podcast. From the closer, the closer. On the podcast, let's see, let's see, let's see. All right. You want you want to do you want to start with a thousand? You want to do five thousand, ten thousand? You want to do it for your kids? You want to give some away? Maybe maybe just buy ten one thousands and give them away to your your people. You know what? Ten thousand was my what my spirit set on me. So good. So, let's go. I appreciate it. We're gonna do a ten thousand in the Cardone Capital. We're gonna be those ten thousand dollar investors. Um, and you guys be part of that trillion dollar enterprise. I'm with you. Let's go. Let's go. And then, and then, and then when I run, man, you can be my, you can be head of my housing department. All right. Head of, head of housing. I mean, I might be running against you. I got, I got my own aspirations, but no, let's not do that. Let's run together, man. There you go. Let's run together. Let's, let's run together, man. Let's run together. We got to get that freak. Keep that frequency up there, Jay. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for your time. Thank you for bringing this to, to, to uh, our platform. And, um, you know, I'm a little bro, but I'm not a little bro. <laughs> no, I know you're not, man. I got mad respect for you and your audience and what you're doing. And, and look, we all need examples. And, and I appreciate the example you're setting every day, showing up. I know you get some smack from people. Uh, that's because you're doing things, man. All successful people get it. Look what they did to Jesus. So look what they did to Martin, John Kennedy. You know, look what they did to Ali, man. Ali's like, Ali, Ali's my guy. Yeah. And, and and not not because he he was a great fighter, but because he stood stood up against that war in Vietnam, and lost his four or five years of his career doing it. Yeah, it's the system. He stood up. Yeah, and then yeah. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, brother. Everybody follow you, man. So we got CardoneCapital.com. Where do they follow Grant Cardone? I'll let you know how many people come in the fund too. Okay. All right. I'll never let you guys down. I promise you. Jay won't either. Be great, Jay. All right, man. Peace. Hey, family, you just watched another episode of How to Beat the Trap. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, and you just seen history right here, the first ever interview with Jay Morrison, Grant Cardone. We talk about dual fund managers of Regulation A Tier 2 crowd funds. Two of the first in our industry to be able to raise capital um, at this level and be able to crowdsource capital and execute in real life. And we're shooting this live from the Black House, which is owned by the Tulsa Real Estate Fund, with 15,000 families in a 30,000 square foot, foot building on a 2.6-acre campus with no mortgage and no debt, all through the same kind of fund you just see in GC mentioned. So now I'm going to be a partner at Cardone Capital. I'll be going to CardoneCapital.com. For those of you who feel comfortable, you guys will check out G to Due Diligence. Go look at the offering. And I'll see you there. Um, and I'll see you in our next podcast of how to beat the trap. Hey, Peace Family is Jay Morrison, co-founder of the Legacy Center here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I want to invite you all to be a virtual member of our building, our Class A office space, also known as the Black House. 
from anywhere in the world who can house your business here in Atlanta, Georgia, and have your virtual address be our address, get your own suite number. You also can get our virtual notary services, our virtual receptionist services, have a telephone line for your team, and get access to our meeting rooms, conference rooms, and get one day per month to actually visit our building and house your business here in real life. Family, this opportunity is just $40 per month or $300 for the year, super discount for you to be able to have a class A office space house your business address two miles from Tyler Perry studio, five minutes from the world's busiest airport right here in amazing Atlanta, Georgia at LegacyCenter.com.